Hey, what's up? <laughs> Mr. Kaplan, how are you? Oh, George Sedano, I am so excited to be here and working with you today. I'm stoked to be working with you tomorrow. I loved working with LZ and your team last week, but George, I'm psyched to be sitting on this side of the table this week. Last week when I worked with LZ, I sat where you sit. Yeah. And I'm sitting here. I'm playing I'm playing analyst today. I get the chance to be color commentator today. I like that you lead the dance, baby. So it's funny you say that because I've had these conversations and when you've done radio for a while and, and you and I have driven for a very long time, which basically is you're, you're the point guard. You got to know when to shoot. You got to know when to pass, right? Like you got to know when to do these things. And then when you're used to doing the point guard duties, but then you get the chance to play the shooting guard, then it's like... Leroy Jenkins, just give me all those shots. Now I know why shooting guards love to shoot the ball so much. Yeah. Why they never pass. Why Michael Jordan always wanted to take the last shot. Why Kobe Bryant wanted to always take the last shot. And you, Scott Kaplan, get to be Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant today. I will play Chris Paul. Uh, I will get you into offense, and I will make sure to get my shots when necessary. But this is about you, my brother. And let me ask you this. Let's start here. Before we even get into football, Yeah. Uh, did you have a good Halloween? Because here's what happened to me. I went and found myself on Saturday. It was about 4 in the afternoon. I go to my wife, Mrs. Sedano, and I said, hey, Mrs. Sedano, you call do her we that. have candy? And she's like, well, we've got like a half of a bag of some like M&Ms and Kit Kats and whatever. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. We, we got to go buy a, I got to go buy a bag. I, we can't. What if people show up? Like, I can't be the house. She's like, oh, we can just turn off the lights. I'm like, no. I always hated those people when I was growing up. I'm not going to be those people. And even in a pandemic, if no one shows up, I'll give the damn candy away. I'll figure it out. Because if not, I will eat most of it. So I ran over to the grocery store. I went and bought a bag. I also ended up coming back with a six-pack of wine because, you know, they do six nice. and mix. You know yeah. what I mean? You get a yeah. little extra percentage off. Mm -hmm. So right. I it came back spending more than I should, which is the problem. But we put it out in a big bowl, plastic bowl outside the house. Not one kid showed up. Did anything oh happen at your house? Okay, so, you know, George, I live in a kind of a strange neighborhood where everybody's super communicative. There's like one person who has everybody's email, yeah. and then they've got an aerial shot of the entire neighborhood, and it's got your name in the house. Mm -hmm. And so they all decided, look, we want some normality for the kids. Let's do Halloween, and here's how we should do it. So I was in Costco like a week or two ago, and I thought, ooh, I'm smart. I'm prepared. I'm going to get a big bag of candy. So I got it. And I was leaving because I was going over to my girlfriend's house for the night. And because that's what you do when you're divorced, you go to your girlfriend's house. Right. And so I took this big bowl of candy and I sat it in front of my, my door. And I even turned the light on as if to say, hey, kids, I'm not here, but have some candy. Dude, I am sitting on two massive bowls of <laughs> Twizzlers licorice right now. Nobody. Okay? First of all, that's your problem. I think nobody cares for Twizzlers. That's your issue. No, I love Twizzlers. Now, the but problem for me is, is that I might start eating it. Now, the other thing is those, you know, those little Snicker bars, the little quarter, yeah. like the, not, yeah. not the, not the bite size, the half a Snicker bar, the right. quarter Snicker bar. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm talking Yeah. See, the problem is I just pop those things all day long. Right. Because they're so small. They're like the size of a quarter, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Um, but I also feel good, though. Part of me is like, hey, people listen to the rules. They said Halloween was canceled, no spread of the of the virus, and people did it for the most part. I was uh, I was actually I came away feeling better about it. And then what I'm just going to do is just give it away to my neighbors. Like we have kids in the neighborhood, so I'll just give it away to them. I think it's really smart because you just never know. 
So your neighbor takes the rhesus and he takes it and he puts it in your bag and then you get home and you go into your bag and you right. empty it all out and you take out all your stuff and then you take the rhesus and you're like, this is what I wanted. Or for me, I want an Almond Joy. I know last week in the draft you had Twix and you had everything else that was good, but I, I want that rhesus. And then my neighbor touched it, gave it to me, put it in my bag. Then I find out he's got it. Oh no, now I'm going to get it. Right, so, right, so yeah, you yeah. So I'm yeah. kind of glad it worked out that way. Um, Although, when I look at, uh, conversely, when I look at the football this weekend here in Southern California, uh, I'm not glad uh, at the way it worked out. Because, let me tell you something, if you're a Rams fan and a Chargers fan, you have now different degrees, right? Um, Huge disappointment, I think. And I went into this Rams game thinking to myself, very much like what Ireland was talking about during Purgatory, which was, hey man... If they win this game, they're supposed to win this game. They're facing a rookie quarterback. They're facing a team who's getting better, right? They're tough, but they're still clearly rebuilding. You're supposed to be this team that's supposed to be, in theory, trying to prove they're amongst the elite because they have been in the most recent past, right? And if you lose that game, you're going to get looked at as a pretender. And I feel like the Rams have come away from that game looking like more like a pretender. I agree. And I'll tell you something, George. I went into this game thinking, okay, so the Rams don't really have a legit win, meaning that when you beat the Cowboys, and that was Dak's Cowboys, okay, not not the, the Danucci Cowboys of, of now. <laughs> How about um, Danucci with the sidearm yesterday? What the hell was that all about? I, I am Listen, I am boycotting the NFL when it comes to NFC East games. Yeah. Even tonight, I want to see Tom Brady because yeah. I think the Bucks are for real all of a sudden. But I really can't give the NFL three or four hours tonight with a one and six New York Giants team. But here, back to the Rams. The Rams were a team that last week, George, I was on the air saying this is a huge game against Miami. Mm-hmm. People say, why so? Because Miami two weeks ago had gone to San Francisco when everybody assumed San Francisco was down and out and they blasted San Francisco. Okay, the following week, the Rams go there and you say, well, if the Dolphins with Fitzmagic go cross country and beat up on the Niners, certainly the Rams are going to do the same thing. They're four and one at the time. And the Rams got destroyed by the 49ers. So now... The Rams have to go cross-country, and George, this schedule this year is ridiculous. The fact that the Rams have to keep going to Philadelphia and Washington and, and, and Miami and Tampa, the fact that they have to keep schlepping across the country is crazy. But they, I thought, go to Miami. It's an unpredictable game because, Tua, we don't know what we're going to get. Are we getting national championship Alabama Tua, or are we getting first start in the NFL Tua? I think that's what we got. So... It's an unpredictable quarterback situation, and it's a long cross-country flight. And I'm sure you saw during the game, they showed how hot it was on the Rams side mm-hmm. and how cool it was, comparatively speaking, on the Dolphins side. Yeah. But here's the bottom line, George. You don't win in the NFL when you go on the road and the opposing defense scores and they score in the kicking game. When you give up scores on defense and in kicking, you're supposed to lose those games. Right. And that's what happened to the Rams. Yeah, they got beaten two of the three phases. But Jared Goff, to me specifically, looked like he was the guy making his first start, Cap. Like, it it, it looked like he was the guy that – and it's funny because, the co- coincidentally, his first start was against the Dolphins. That's right. Um, but it, it just – he looked lost out there. Like, he hadn't ever played football before. I, I haven't seen him look that bad since, honestly, the Jeff Fisher years. So he didn't look good, obviously. And, and we can sit here and pick apart Jared Goff all day long, and there'd be plenty to pick on. So 
One thing that drives me nuts is how big he is and how many balls get batted down at the line of scrimmage. It blows my mind. If yeah. Drew Brees gets a ball, if Kyler Murray gets balls batted down at the line of scrimmage, you go, yeah, he's 5'11". Right. He's supposed to get balls batted down. But when you're 6'4", and you're built in the traditional mold of a drop-back pocket passer, he gets a lot of balls batted down. He also got hit a lot yesterday in the first half. And not just hit, George. Like You hear people say, how do you stop Tom Brady? Well, you move him off of his spot. You make him feel uncomfortable. You make him use his feet. Well, Jared Goff made so many bad throws. But on the other hand, he was getting pulverized. He, I mean, these were violent hits. These were the kind of hits that could take a shoulder out of a socket. You're getting taken off your feet. Jared Goff did not play well. I acknowledge that. Threw a couple of really bad picks and could have had others. Gave the ball up with fumbles. But he was getting destroyed. I asked this question to Coach McVay. Here goes. Coach, if you're driving around listening, what's the deal with the offensive line? Coach McVay was given credit so many years ago, George, for being so creative, and players are moving in every different direction. They're confusing defenses. That offensive line looked very confused. What's the deal there? Uh, well, look, the offensive line looked pretty good to start the season, but I think, to your point, maybe the competition played into that. This, this was a defense that they played – that is a legit good defense. Like, the Dolphins are not a team that you can take lightly on that side of the ball. Now, I think the Bills are a pretty good defense. I don't know if they're as good as the Dolphins. I think the Niners are, are a good defense, and I think the Bears are a good defense, and yet the Rams were able to figure that out and solve those teams. Well, except for the, the Bills. The Bills wasn't the defense. I, I don't think their biggest issue was defense, um, although they did give up 35 points. But they were able to hold those guys in the second half to what, it, what was it? I think one touchdown, basically. Um, so it, it, the Rams situation alongside the offensive line to me um, has been hit or miss. And I think that's what happens when you build your offensive line with a, an older guy in Andrew Whitworth, who I think is still fantastic. And let's face it, a lot of value picks is what I would call it along the offensive line. They've got a lot of third rounders, you know, fifth rounder, a th second, fourth rounder, right? Like they got those kind of guys. There's not a, a, a guy, since they let go of Saffold, that you can say to yourself on the other side, okay, this offensive line has these two pillars, and then the stuff in between we can figure out. And I think that that's the problem that they have. They still need another pillar along that offensive line with Andrew Whitworth, and here's the problem. Whitworth is only getting older, so that's your big challenge there when it comes to the Rams' offensive line is that there's going to be inconsistency because, let's face it, those guys were a value for a reason. George, I'll go one step even just beyond. I mean, I'm with you. So far, picking apart Goff and his game, I think is legit. I think going after some of this offensive line and the game planning is as well. Here's another thing. When there's three minutes and 45 seconds or so to go, and you've got third and five, and the quarterback hits you directly in the hands, and it's going to be a first down, and you're driving towards a, a, a touchdown to try and get yourself back into this game, and you know what happens when you drop that ball? Here comes a field goal attempt from 48 yards, and it goes it goes wide left. So the kicking problems ongoing because not only are you missing field goals and prior to this PATs, mm -hmm. but you're giving up points in the kicking game. Right now, there's this thought, this perception, that the Rams are still the team that played in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They're not. And the Miami Dolphins are the team that has been searching for a quarterback ever since Dan Marino retired. George, I'm telling you right now, I know this is going to sound crazy, going to the Super Bowl as early as the Rams did in the McVay era, it, it seemed like the greatest thing ever at the time, and it's turned into a bit of a curse because the expectations are there. 
Even now, oh my goodness, the Lakers won, the Dodgers won. Now they're texting the players from the Rams. You're next. They're not next. Not right now. Not this team. Yeah, I, I think that, look, when you look at the way that the Rams offensive line specifically um, has been rebuilt, and look, I don't think it's a huge problem, but I, I do think that the interior part of their line is is a bit of an issue. Now, Blythe is fine at center. Um, Havenstein at tackle is fine. Whitworth is elite. He is one of the best left tackles in the game still. But when you look at the middle, right, like I think that your guard positions are a little weak. And where is what is the biggest issue for Jared Goff if he's going to get pressure? Where is that going to come from? It seemed yesterday to be coming off the right side of the offensive line to me. Right. But in theory, when you're talking about the batted balls, right, that you were referring to earlier, where is that a problem? I would think on his backside. What are you saying? I would say also in the interior, though, because if he's trying to throw those crossing routes over the middle in the West Coast offense, that's going to be stuff that he's going to try to throw right in front of the offensive line as the receiver's crisscrossing across the field. Well, you stumped me for a second, all right? I mean, you gave me like three chances to answer the question correctly, and I screwed it up both times. (laughs) It's okay. But you were right. He got pressure from everywhere. The offensive line didn't play well, but I think a lot of that is on the Dolphins, and some of that, maybe their early success, is, as I mentioned earlier, it's partially on the competition they but haven't will, played great defenses I, I will just say one thing you know Goff I'll give him a, some credit here you know he didn't seem like the kind of guy who was willing to fold up his tent and leave at halftime he came out still chucking the ball around and and trying to get the team back in the game because they probably thought to themselves well we've been here before right. you know we had this situation in Buffalo um, and, and so we we can make this kind of comeback. It, it doesn't seem insurmountable. And the fact is the Dolphins offense wasn't doing very much. The, remember, the points came in special teams and on defense. And the first half was so bad that the Rams dug themselves a big hole. But yet again, at 28-17, with an opportunity to get yourself into scoring position, not only does a ball get dropped at the sideline on third and five, but the field goal is missed. So everything that really could have gone wrong went wrong yesterday for the Rams. Good opportunity, even though you hate to go into a bye with a loss, good opportunity for the Rams to regroup. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think all is lost, but I do think that they have a lot of work to do. I don't think there's any question. And, right. and, here's, and here's, by the way, just real quick, here's what's going to happen tonight because we think we know everything about the NFL. So presumably, tonight, Tampa Bay should, detro- de- should destroy the New York Giants, right? Yeah. Okay. And I think Tampa Bay's good. What do you think? I do think they're good. Okay, so there's a few teams around the NFC that I go, I think they're pretty good. I think they're pretty good. And the Rams are going to have a hard time overcoming these guys if they don't get it together. You know the NFL. The, the Giants might wind up winning tonight, and tomorrow I might say Tampa Bay's terrible. Yeah, it's just hashtag it's the NFL. Like, right. there's week to week, you don't know what's happening. All right, we're going to take a break. Kirk Morrison's going to come back and join us in three minutes. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win download espn bet today what a play must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details sedano and lz on 710 espn scott kaplan in for lz today george sedano host of this broadcast about to reconnect this is the new world of covid broadcasting We got producers operating from inside 
of the downtown LA area. And we've got hosts spread out using multiple different networks and trying to all connect via the internet. And so you guys let me know when George is back. Yeah, yeah. Yo, yo. Hey, Sorry, I don't know what the hell happened. I literally didn't go anywhere, and then all of a sudden, as the sounder went off, my, I, everything went uh, you know, silent. I didn't even touch anything, and I'm back. So I was saying, this is the world we're living in right now, George. I mean, seriously, it, it's, been, it's been like the whole year. It's been crazy that we've yeah. all been out of the office and not yeah. going to work and can't get in. It's been the whole year. It's been crazy. Yeah. Well, I was in the jacuzzi on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pulled a John Ireland, and I was watching uh, – um, my man Kirk Morrison is going to join us now doing BYU and Western Kentucky on Saturday night. And I text him and I was like, entertain me, even though this game is not entertaining because uh, I'm sitting here with a drink, you know, in the pool. And uh, he sent me a picture of him just kind of chilling in his house calling the BYU game. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize that. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, it must How be nice happen? to not have to travel and go through TSA, and and you know, it's, I'm glad the company is uh, is is allowing you guys to do the games from home. Is it fun? Is it different? Oh man, it's different, man. I, what's up, fellas? How we doing, by the way, man? Today, um, it's been it's been different, you know, calling games from home. Um, you know, obviously, I would love to be there. Um, so it's been a bit, it's been a mix, right? They send you on the road for a couple games here, and then you're at home. Uh, doing the at-home broadcast, and you go on the road a couple weeks. But this one, I, I got a uh, you know the Pac-12 returns this week, fellas. So I got a UCLA at Colorado. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Chip Kelly has in year three, going up against Carl Durrell, the new Colorado coach who used to coach at UCLA. So I got a bunch of storylines for the week. So it does keep me entertained each and every week that I do sometimes, George, like you saw me get to kick my feet up and call a football game. That's unbelievable. You know, even when we were talking to John Shambi, who was calling those uh, Korean Baseball League games, yeah, he was doing it from his apartment in New York City. Now, when it right. came to Major League Baseball's playoffs, he went to Bristol and went into headquarters and actually called yeah. the games from there. But even then, I think he may have said he was by himself. His analyst may have been at home. Yeah, so, I mean, it's so many different ways, right? Uh, you can go Bristol. We have, you know, offices in Charlotte. Um, we work actually out of Orlando, but you know Orlando was had you know the NBA, so Orlando was kind of full. It's now opened up, and so we're able to do some things out of Orlando. But I've been able to stay on the West Coast because you know Pac-12 after dark is going to start pretty yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, so uh, me and my uh, my play-by-play Beth Mowens, the great Beth Mowens, who actually used to cover me in college. Uh, is now my partner, so we uh, we're gonna get ready for some late nights on Saturday. So George is gonna be in. I don't know about you, Scotty. Are you gonna be in? You gonna be up late watching oh. some late Pac-12 after dark? See, I like to watch the late night games. I always did, even when I was because, like you, I'm a junkie. When I was living on the East Coast, I used to see all the West Coast college football because I stayed up way late. So yeah, <laughs> now, I'm in. Was that because you were also you are, a degenerate were, gambler back then? No, not so much a gambling. I, I, it wasn't so much <laughs> a gambling. That's what, that's what I wanted to ask. Were you on that late uh, Hawaii University of Hawaii yeah. parlay? Huh? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The the, uh, the Hawaii catch game. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're you're, you're trying to make up the losses. Yeah. Just so much, just a total football junkie would watch it all day, all night. And so, yeah, always caught the West Coast games, really. So, Kirk, I'm really, uh, this is cool to talk about how you're doing all of this, but I would love to just jump right in because George and I started off today talking about the Rams. George, I'm not sure if the Rams are any good, and this game against Miami certainly doesn't make me feel very confident. I'll pose it to you, Kirk. What do you make 
of the Rams now, particularly after this game against Miami just yesterday? Um, I, I haven't wavered much. Um, to me, I, I didn't really look at yesterday's game as an indictment on are the Rams a good team or a bad team. I mean, this is what the NFL does to you. And the Rams just got caught. They got caught looking. Basically, you play a late Monday night game, right, where you beat the Chicago Bears. You feel good about yourself. You, you lose a day of preparation. You start Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Friday. You're getting ready to travel all the way to Miami for a 10 a.m. Pacific start. And, oh, by the way, it's a 100 degrees. And from all reports that I've heard, 130-plus on the sidelines for the Rams, they – came to play it was just that the i think the game plan did not work i thought sean McVay got away from running the football which is something that they should have done and kept Tua on the sideline and basically if they do that then i think that the game would have been much closer but it was a difficult game regardless their last east coast or east time zone kick but i just i don't think yesterday's game is something that i'm too really worried about especially going up against an AFC opponent, which really won't matter when it comes to the Rams' ultimate goal of making it to the playoffs. But here's what I got a problem with, is Jared Goff's feel, okay? And and look, there's a lot – you know it, Kirk. You and I have had these conversations for years about Jared Goff, and is he a a product of the system, right? And I I, I saw a guy who had the rush coming from his throwing side and got – just obliterated I saw a guy who really looked like the guy making his first start I mean through a terrible interception to Christian Wilkinson who dropped back in coverage or Christian Wilkins excuse me who dropped back in coverage as a defensive tackle uh, I mean there were just things that he mistakes that he made that I felt like he was the guy who was the rookie in this game yeah I think also what happens is too he missed out on some coverages right um, to me, what he did was he turned the protection to the left, right? On, on the one you're talking about to Wilkins, he turns the protection to the left. And so now every offensive lineman has one guy, but there's an unblocked defender every time. And Jared Goff, to me, just didn't locate the unblocked guy. This is a system in which Brian Flores, when he was a D.C. with the New England Patriots, they kept running at Jared Goff. Even their players said it. We wanted to confuse Jared Goff. We wanted to force him to have to figure out what we're doing up front. And you mentioned the interception to Christian Wilkins. Jared Goff never saw him. Jared Goff was thinking, oh, they're going to blitz. And the defensive tackle that time came out and got the interception. So to me, a lot of it was on Jared Goff. I thought that those protections, to me, kind of screwed him up. But then I put a lot also on, too, on Sean McVay. Like, if you feel like, you know what, right now my quarterback is a little bit rattled. We can't see the pressure enough. Why not run the football when you've got Daryl Henderson, who's getting four or five yards of carry, Malcolm Brown doing the same thing. So why wouldn't you just run the football more? And I didn't see enough of that. You know what I mean? I think sometimes you get a little too cute, but kind of going back to everything I talked about before, being on the road, fellas, you have to do that. you got to run the football instead of trying to pass it around the yard. I think that's what got them in trouble yesterday. All right, Kirk, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a different path here because I, yeah. I know that Jared Goff's going to take most of it. Correct. But I got to say, you know, early in this game, he's being hit. He's being hit hard. He's being lifted off of his feet. He's fumbling. He, he's, he's having all kinds of problems. You mentioned him being rattled. I mean, nothing's yeah. going his way. But it's a team game, 
and there are yeah. 11 guys all wearing the Rams uniform, and there's guys that are just coming free. I don't know what they were doing along the offensive line. I don't understand why the running backs weren't part of just chipping at the line of scrimmage. I, I just saw a quarterback just getting beat up. I didn't see him quit. I didn't see him say at halftime, we're done. I saw him keep battling it out. Even late in the game, you're down 28-17. You hit a receiver right in the hands for a first down on third and five, and he drops the ball. Fourth and five, they missed the field goal. So they weren't even necessarily out of the game. Everything you said, I'll buy. The heat, the cross-country travel, the 10 a.m. start, I'll, I'll buy it all. But, I, but as much as we're going to beat up on Goff, I got to ask, what you think of the O-line, and the, the, what role the running game plays in pass protection. Well, let's not forget the special teams now who let him down, who gave right. up an 88-yard punt return. So let's not forget that. Let's not forget about Kai Forbath, who was just signed this week over Samuel Sloman, who missed uh, a kick that would have made the game a lot closer at the end for the Rams to be down you know, just a, a couple scores and feel better about go, uh, being down by eight and have a chance to actually go and win the game or I mean or tie the game and bring it into overtime. There was a lot of blame to be uh, to to be passed around. But Scotty, a lot of those inner I mean the the the, the protection issues, the Rams were lined up in empty formation. There was no back in the backfield. I so agree. A lot of you you get into empty formation for the quarterback to actually see the rush. But I but I but I see but I see a running back Kirk, I see a running back in motion running past Goff in shotgun and the ball is snapped and and here comes a defensive lineman completely free i'm like dude chip this guy yeah but the, on that one the one that you're thinking thinking of there's a couple of them where he sends the protection left so when you send the protection left okay there's going to be an unblocked guy you know who that guy belongs to the quarterback the quarterback has to get rid of the football and Jared Goff wasn't getting rid of the football or in some points hey just take the sack there are some teams that hey you got to take the sack Rams can kick a field goal, you move on, but that's not what Jared Goff does. You know, a lot of times he's trying to, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a tough guy. You mentioned it, and he'll throw the football, and sometimes, look, it'll be, it's a touchdown, but he didn't protect the ball well. I just thought that they should have ran the ball a little bit more. Why not? You're on the road. It's a little bit hot. Why not utilize the run game and get everything settled down, get everybody in the halftime? Jalen Ramsey wasn't playing. There's just a lot of things that were kind of quirky before the game started. Everybody's so worried about Tua. Well, Everybody wanted to see Tua. How about let's keep Tua on the sideline and utilize our run game, our rushing attack, which is one of the best in the league. Why would you go away from that? So I think that's probably what they're looking at on the film is that they scored three touchdowns, right? And really the, the fourth that was thrown by Tua really wasn't something that the defense gave up. They had a short field. So to me it was an all – every part of, of the team didn't play well. The defense was actually okay, right? They held Tua under 100 yards. But the special teams let him down. The the offense let him down. And I thought McVay, in parts of the game yesterday, he let him down with his play calling. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Kirk Morrison with us here, friend of the program. Kirk, let me ask you this. If salary cap weren't an issue, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Who would you rather have at quarterback moving forward, Jared Goff or Justin Herbert? Ooh. 
Oh, my. Put the man oh on the spot. The man who has to handle the pregame, the halftime, the postgame. Yeah. He's got to be around the Rams. PR is going to hear. Put that man on the spot, George Sedano. Well, That's what I, I do. Feel, he knows it. Yeah, he, you put me on the spot, and, and, I, and I will still say Jared Goff. And Jared Goff has some of these games, right? I can talk about Justin Herbert and having him and all that, but still – you got to find ways to win games, even when your team is not playing well. And we've seen that from Justin Herbert plays well, but look at the Chargers right now. Would you rather be the Chargers or the Rams? Right? I think. Yeah, the Rams but you, are that, really I don't think that's Apple. I don't think that's apples to apples, Kirk. I, I, I think that the Rams have a better coach. I think that Rams have a better team. They have a better like they're just a better organization. But I think and, that the guy under center, I, listen. Yeah. I'm not saying that Justin Herbert won't have regression because he will. Every young quarterback right. does. But I've already seen Jared Goff. I have a full sample size. You know this. You and I were talking about this almost two years ago. Um, and I said, I don't know if you want to even if you want to even extend him. Like I, I would think there are real questions about that. And and I, I I just have I've seen enough where I'm like, yeah, he's kind of like Kirk Cousins. Like, I don't yeah. know if he's a guy that you're going to say, here, we're giving you the ball, we're putting the game in your hands, and you're going to win it for us week in and week out. That's not what he is. Yeah, I, I think what you're kind of alluding to is that can you have success, or is there more success out there, right? Uh, I think back to the Andy Reid situation with Alex Smith and then them drafting a quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. It's like you have a quarterback that is continual, I mean, continuously successful every single year. It was a pro bowler, and the team makes the playoffs, and they get to the divisional round, but Andy Reid decided to draft a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, and it put the team over the hump. I don't know if the Rams are there for that. I've seen success in Jared Goff. I know there are things that have to happen for him to be special every single week, but when that does not happen, the flaws like yesterday come out, right? Because you ask your quarterback, and this, I see this in college all the time, you ask your quarterback to make six to eight throws per game and say, you know what, we're not going to block it up correctly sometimes. The defense is going to get us sometimes. Can you be special in those moments? And that's really not Jared Goff's game, right, where a Patrick Mahomes can elude the rush or Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson can break out of contain or, you know, anything like that. When a play breaks down, they can improvise. Jared Goff is not a quarterback who can improvise, and you see that in those games, and that's where the Rams just really want to stay away from. But I think the success overall from Jared, even though he does have limitations at times, I think it's one of those situations where you have to stick with Jared and not really go anywhere else because the offense now is sort of built around him. He's a great game manager when things are in place. That's why it's a cohesive unit that has to be on point, and when they're not on point like yesterday – Sometimes they get exposed. You know, George, your question about who would you rather have, Jared Goff or, or Justin Herbert, let's, let's ask it a different way. What would you rather have, Kirk, a game manager or a quarterback that can make plays, individual plays, when needed? Mm, see, that's, the, <laughs> uh, that's tough because I think a lot of people thought that Tom Brady was a game manager in New England. He was running Josh McDaniel's system. Yeah. And it was all about the system and not the So was Russell Wilson, by the way, yeah. early on. But yeah. I could also say, you know, I'm looking at the Cam Newton, who's a former MVP, who's a guy who can make plays off schedule, and the Patriots are struggling right now, right? And Tom Brady, we'll see tonight against the New York Giants, has been a guy in a different system, and he's having a lot of success. So that's where, look, for me, is Jared Goff my type of quarterback? Probably not. You know, I look at, you know, seeing where, the NFL has gone since 2016 when Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were picked number one and number two. You look at the quarterbacks that are coming out. 
I think possibly, yeah, I would probably go a different direction. But what, what you have and what you've invested in Jared Goff, you've got to get the most out of him. Is there still some juice left in that lemon or that orange? I think so. There's more that can get out of him. But I think for right now, man, honestly, when you don't call plays the way that I think McVeigh is probably looking at himself, kicking at himself, saying, I should have ran the football more because that just wasn't – they had a plan defensively with their blitz package that we just couldn't handle, I should have ran the ball more. Because all they got to do is, you know, next in two weeks, beat Seattle, and now everybody's saying, okay, the Rams are fixed. All right, you just got to worry about having those clunkers like they did yesterday. Kirk Morrison, you're the best, brother. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk soon. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you later. All right. Take care. There he is, Kirk Morrison. All right, Laura, hit it. It's time for What You Need to Know. Scott Kaplan hanging out with us today here on Sedano and LZ. So, Cap, Chris Mortensen is reporting the NFL is considering a 16-team playoff. Do you like that, and would you consider moving forward with that? Do you like – they're already expanding it to 14. Would you go and move it to 16 year or every year from here on out? So I'm into the expanded playoffs. I like more teams that are in the playoffs, the better, for a variety of reasons. One, it gives just about every fan base hope. Two, it gives those of us who are just observational fans more games to watch. And three, it gives teams a chance, George, to make a run late. A lot of times teams, you know, they struggle early like the Rams right now. What if the Rams in seven weeks from now are starting to really hit their stride and with expanded playoffs they were able to make it in and they go on a run at the right time of the year i'm in for expanded playoffs all right fair enough i'm with you i i do think the more cities that are involved the better it is for the sport i think at a certain point right like you're capping it at half i think that that's fine um i think you have to create a better buy system but that's another topic for another day uh speaking about topics for another day uh shaquille o'neal He's been busy on the Instagram. Don't know if you saw this, Cap, but Shaq created on Instagram his all-time starting five. It has Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and, of course, himself. And he says, I don't care what any of y'all say. Nobody's beating this team in a seven-game series. Do you agree with Shaq that that is the best starting five you could put together, or are you taking the field? I love when Shaquille O'Neal is talking to Charles Barkley on TNT and he's just getting himself warmed up and he's kind of hollow sounding and you're kind of waiting for him to say something. He's like, Chuck, hey, Chuck, hey, let me tell you something, Chuck. Chuck, I got, Chuck, I got LeBron. And I, I, listen, I love this team, but I don't even understand. Can I ask one question? Quickly. Wh- what motivated him to put out his all-time team? I mean, you know, it's the off season. <laughs> I feel like that's just pretty much it. And Shaq's got a lot of time on his hands. It, these it's days. a really cool picture, though, from yeah. Shaq to LeBron to MJ to Kobe yeah. to AI. Yeah. What you need to know is presented by our friends at Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. Coming up next, Monday afternoon QB with Cap and I on Sedano and LZ on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Sedano and LZ, Scott Kaplan, my pal, coming in today hot uh, as we get ready to do Monday afternoon quarterback. We will to 6 o'clock, Sean McVay show coming up at 6, so we're off an hour early today. So Monday afternoon QB, Cap, you're clearly familiar with 
Peter King and his Monday morning quarterback, correct? I am very. All right, well, this is just my version. It's just the afternoon, and I'm a gas bag, and it's radio, and we get to pick <laughs> a couple of games, and we go back and forth. You ready? I'm ready. All right, let's start with the Raiders. Raiders versus Browns. So going into this game, you know, there was a lot of information out there that made you feel like, you know what, this game is not for Derek Carr. Derek Carr, prior to this game, okay, was 2-11, and okay, in games where the weather was 43 degrees or colder, a 68.9 rating in those games uh, of under 50 degrees. So he had been pretty bad. Now, the offense wasn't great, but I thought he made good enough throws, and I thought the John Gruden and company did a really good job coaching that game, taking advantage of a bad Browns run defense and controlling the clock. It was a throwback to old school football. The Raiders are feisty, and they're better than most people think. And I would say that they have a player named Josh Jacobs that I don't think NFL fans, I mean, fantasy players will know him, but like right. the average fan isn't going to say, yeah, you know who's the best running back in football? It's Josh Jacobs. I'm not saying that, but he had 31 carries, 128 yards. He only had one 16-yard run. So, in other words, he grinded it out all day long. That's what Gruden wants to do. And it was a game, George, it wasn't so on my radar. Cleveland's really beat up. Um, Odell Beckham is hurt, right. and he's out. Miles Garrett got hurt during the game. And so... The thing about Cleveland is they're 5-3, and three, and every week with them, you're trying to figure out if they're for real. And after this week, I don't think they are. Yeah, I would agree with you. Now, let me uh, sneak in, uh, you know, Greg Bergman, Raider fan, Raider boy over here. Did you feel good about the win? You had to feel good. A win is a win, right? Yeah, a win is a win, and I did feel good about it because they were playing the type of offense that they've been trying to get going all year long a ball control offense. They had the ball for 30 over 37 minutes of that game. They had three different scoring drives of over 8 minutes. They held on to the ball, they ran the ball down their throat and just and just played good solid smash mouth football. I was very yeah, excuse me, very happy about it. Yeah, it, it is interesting Scott because I think that Gruden during the time off you know, I think people were just so into like the spider wide two banana stuff that he would do on the air. Mm -hmm. But he got a real opportunity to see how the game had evolved, right? And kind of take a breath, take a couple of steps back away from the game, and really analyze what the game was like. And I think he's taken a lot over the years from what Bill Belichick was doing. If you look at those Patriots teams for many of those years, they evolved. Some years they were more of a running team. Some years they were more of a passing team. And they were very dynamic on offense depending on what it is they wanted to do. They were very malleable. And I feel like this Raiders team, to Greg's point, now feels malleable on offense. We know they can throw it around the, around the, the lot if they need to, but now we saw them run the ball with Josh Jacobs. And I think that's important, particularly if they find a way to sneak into the playoffs, which they're not winning the division, but they could find themselves in that wild card hunt. I'll tell you what, this Sedano's pretty smart, man. I'll tell you that right now. This Sedano's pretty good, man. Hey, I'm working on a on a John Gruden impression, but it's really not a Gruden impression. It sounded like, like an Italian guy doing Gruden. It, it, no, no, it's Caliendo doing Gruden. So it's not really a Gruden. It's Caliendo. I'll tell you what, man. This, this Sedano's pretty smart, man. I'll tell you. He's from Dayton, Ohio. Dayton. That's right, it man. Sounds like Wood if you're with me, man. It sounds like you're Scarface. You're mixing in Scarface in there. That's well, what's it's, happening it's, there. Clearly, it's not very good. I'm just willing yeah. to try it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? It's, I'll tell you what, Scott Kaplan. You got to go spider Y2 banana, man. Yeah, you get Derek Carr. You put him out there. You line up the receivers. You get Josh Jacobs. You pound the ball. Give him the rock. 
I mean, I don't have it no, as good. I, no. I, I'm not as good either, but also I feel bad. like I got, you know, I, I don't sound like Scarface when no, I do it. No, also no, that was, that was, Sedano sounded like Sedano trying to be John Gruden. At least you sounded, sounded like, like, like Scarface. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, you sound like Scarface. Tell you Scarface. what, man. I'll tell you, this George Sedano's pretty good, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Next game. Let's go to the Chargers-Broncos. Now, Scott, you know yourself some Chargers over the years. And I feel like the Chargers are going to Charger, right? Like, you know, Manny being Manny. This is Now, no matter what's happened to them over the years, it feels like there is the inevitable that even though there's some promise to a, to a team, to this particular franchise, it never feels like the promise is fulfilled. It's been a long time since they were a good team that you can rely upon week in and week out. On paper, they've looked good at times, even this year, right? Like, there's some bright spots. But this defense was supposed to be lights out, supposed to be fantastic. I know they're missing Devin Bush. I know that they're – or, excuse me, um, Derwin um, – Derwin James. James, that's what I meant to say. Devin Bush is the Chicago Bears. But the I, I, I just feel like they just always feel like they're underachieving. And that's, just, that's weird to say, considering that you have a team with a rookie quarterback. But I feel like they should be better than this. The Chargers have a way, George, of doing something called Spanosing all over themselves. Let me explain what that means. When you have the Kansas City Chiefs and you are at a point in a game where this new statistic called win probability is at 87.8%, you're yeah. supposed to win that game. Right. When, when you have a team like Tampa Bay at their house, cross-country, and you have a 91% win probability against Tom Brady, you're supposed to win. When you play against New Orleans, in New Orleans, and you've got a 93% win probability, but then wait a second, when you go to Denver and you've got a 99% win probability, and you lose on the last play of the game, not to John Elway, to Drew Locke. They find a way to Spanos all over themselves every week. It's an organizational problem. It's beyond coaching. It's beyond personnel. It's organizational, and it starts at the top. Yeah, I, I hope that they can get this going because they've, they've figured out the hard part, which is getting a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, like they went for Phillip Rivers, who for many years was, was very good, to now a kid that we all feel like is going to be really good. So they do need to figure out the rest of it. They can't waste another quarterback's career. And I know that sounds crazy to say, considering the kid's a rookie, but we already saw them kind of waste the career of another guy. And let's look at that other guy, Phillip Rivers. All of a sudden, you know, look, I don't know if he's any good as far as a quarterback is concerned anymore. Like, I don't know if he's, I mean, certainly not an elite quarterback, but he's getting W's, man. They are five and two they beat the lions they beat him pretty soundly and even though he doesn't have the arm strength he, he once had I, I i just feel like he's getting the job done and i would imagine the chargers have to look at him maybe with like a little jealousy almost to the extent of like kind of like when you get divorced and your ex-wife is out on instagram partying with a new boyfriend yeah, and they're like out that. at fancy dinners and restaurants and then like going out to the lounge afterwards having like highfalutin frou-frou drinks like i feel like that's what's happening here with the chargers a little bit well let me just say this about philip rivers efficient yesterday against a very very mediocre in fact less than mediocre detroit lions team you know yeah. De detroit made this comeback a week ago against atlanta and all of a sudden everybody's like oh look and then you remember it was against atlanta right uh, efficient day no turnovers which is highly unlikely in a philip rivers quarterback game three touchdowns no picks efficient he's got the right coach 
He's got the right system. And he's also got the right roster of players who said, oh, here comes a real leader. Here comes a real winner. I don't think the Colts are that good. Um, I know Phillip Rivers will find ways, as he's already done so far this season, to give games away with late interceptions. But it was a good win for the Colts. And I would say this. The Chargers, they made the right move. If you're a starting quarterback in the NFL for 10 years and you don't take a team to a Super Bowl, it's time to move on. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, you do got to cut the cord there at some point. All right, next. Steelers-Ravens, what I thought was the game of the week. Uh, The Steelers are still undefeated. They've got three patsies coming up on the schedule. And look, Lamar Jackson had multiple opportunities to try to win that game, Scott. But the knock is on him a little bit. I heard Max Kellerman talking about this today on the station, which you can catch every weekday morning at 11 a.m. from 11 to 1. He was saying... Man, Lamar has trouble winning the big games, whether it's in the playoffs or against the teams that he's got to beat to get to a Super Bowl. And that trend continued. Do you believe that that is a fair criticism of Lamar Jackson? I do. And when you look at yesterday's game for Lamar Jackson, I mean, in terms of passing statistics, 13 of 28, so sub 500, uh, sub 50 percent. Only 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, two picks. And this is interesting, sacked four times for 16 yards worth of losses. I don't want to put this all on Lamar Jackson. I'd rather actually look at it the other way, George, which is the Steelers. When we talked about the Chargers and how they were th- they were blowing leads, the one thing about the Steelers is they win close games. Look, they're the only undefeated team, which makes them at the top of most people's power rankings, if you will. But they find ways to squeak out wins. Even if Tennessee misses a field goal at the end right. of the game, or yeah. if Lamar Jackson is throwing picks, they the Steelers find ways to win close games. Uh, next, Cowboys-Eagles. Man, oh, this division stinks. I don't even think we need to waste a lot of time on this. I don't want to watch any of these two teams play again. And honestly, I don't want to watch, as you pointed out earlier, I don't want to watch the NFC East anymore on TV. Yeah, I want to penalize the NFL for for making me watch these games in prime time. I mean, at some point, maybe we should consider flexing the Sunday night game. You know, I mean, wh- why, a little wh- earlier than normal, right? R- yeah, right. Why not? And yeah. so, I think my my boycott, if you will, to the NFL is like saying you can't have me for three or four hours in prime time if you're not going to give me a really great product. Cowboys-Eagles last night was not something I was interested in, and the only reason I'm interested in tonight, the Giants playing, is because they're playing against Tom Brady. Yeah, no Danucci. No more Danucci for me. Last one. Let's go next. Patriots-Bills. Bills win again. Cam Newton is going to be the quarterback moving forward, which says to me that this Jared Stidham stuff in the preseason was nonsense. But I'll ask you this, Scott. Last question before we move on. We've got some Lakers stuff coming up in the next segment. Is the Patriots dynasty officially over? I think it is. Here's the thing. If you're Belichick, you've got to look now and say, okay, what do we want to do here? Do we want to just sacrifice that we knew it would be tough when Brady left and, and you know, Brady's just a winner. He walked into that Tampa Bay locker room and he made everybody believe that they're no longer the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're the Tampa Bay Patriots. The Patriots are not who they were, but that sounded like Denny Green. The, the Patriots are not who they were because they don't have the heart and soul of their team anymore. Is Belichick going to say, okay, I had a great 18-year run. We won six Super Bowls. He moved on. It's going to start all over again. I'm going to stay through this. Or is Belichick going to say, I've had my run. It's been great. It's time to go. I would just say this. I suspect Belichick will stay. I think he'll try and rebuild. I don't know that he'll be able to do it. 
And I think the division is about to pass these guys by. Buffalo, who needed this win, got it. And by the way, Cam fumbles at the most inopportune time at the end of the game. And so I don't think Cam's the long-term answer. And I think the division's about to pass New England by. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that they need a quarterback and they need to rebuild. All right, coming up next, Danny Green shading the Clippers. Find out what he said. 